Hello and welcome to Sermon Seasonings, the podcast of Christchurch Gladesville, where we dig a little bit deeper into the passage that we looked at on Sunday. My name's Mandy Curley and I'll be hosting today along with Simeon, our youth minister, and Henry, his apprentice. Hey. Hey, Mandy. Excellent. Well, uh, we got to hear two sermons this week. So Simeon preached in the morning and Henry preached in the evening on 1 Peter chapter 1 through to chapter 2 verse 3. And we really looked at the difference that being in Jesus makes. And we are called to be live differently because we are different because of what Jesus has done for us. We built on that picture that we got uh, from last week of the new creation and the great hope that we have in heaven and then thought a bit more about what it looks like to live in life of that so this week I thought I'd ask you guys to start thinking with there was a whole lot of stuff there and a whole lot of backgrounds that really seemed to think about the whole concept of holiness so Sim do you want to kick us off what did we learn yeah holiness is a key idea in this text isn't it Um, you got that verse 16 to be holy because God is holy Um, one of the first things we notice is that actually holiness it's not the first time it comes up in 1 Peter Um, And you might have heard from last week's sermon seasonings, Dave touched on the idea of the sprinkling of the blood, being sprinkled with um, his blood, with Christ's blood. Um, And that actually, it's picking up on an Old Testament reference back to Exodus, and that's where Israel, God's people, are the sprinkled people. They've received God's law. Um, And so here we have a new new covenant, um, God's new covenant people, uh, and being sprinkled, that is to be, you've, you've been set apart for, for holiness, to be sprinkled, the, the sprinkled people um, chosen for that purpose. Um, so that actually, we're actually chosen to be the people who are holy. Yeah, and it's also really interesting looking at that verse 16 reference, because um, that there is, um, yeah, is a reference to, to Leviticus, the, the be holy because I am holy. Um, there's a few times where that exact line is said in uh, a couple of times in Leviticus 11 and also in um, chapter 19. Um, all of the times a bun- around a bunch of laws. Um, so in the chapter 11 one in particular, it's, it's a whole bunch of food laws. Um, you're not meant to eat this type of food um, or this type because God is holy. And it's a bit interesting. It's like, oh, that's that's a bit odd. What? Why would we not have to eat something because God is holy? Well, it's God is making His people different by them standing out by not eating some food um, because He is different. And so, while it might not look like that for us, we know that because well, Jesus um, actually declared all foods clean. Um, so we know that we're not to be holy in the exact same way that they were there. But the same concept stands um, through Israel to us, where we're to be holy because God is holy. That's really helpful, Henry. Um, and if you if you look actually at that that chapter, Leviticus nineteen, we see just before it uh, is a whole section on sexual sin, which is really interesting. Uh, sexual sin and then afterwards we see moral sins idolatry so you get these two really flagship sins of the old testament of carnal humanity sexual sin and idolatry and immorality um, as being these these two things that god's holiness speaks straight in the context of Uh, and here we see actually threaded through one peter we're going to see those two big sins be addressed later on we see that actually to be holy is to live differently 
in these two big ways which Peter will develop and to reject those ways which are uh, carnal and human um, to our, our natural instincts. Yeah, and I think that's so helpful as we think about just how different God is and the way that he pulls together. So all of those laws were actually about setting apart his people because he himself is set apart and mm. it's all encompassing. And really, as we come back to 1 Peter, we then get that picture. Um, so be holy because I am holy. And the call for us is to be holy in all that we do. It's all of life that we're called to be set apart, reflecting the God that we know and love. Yeah. And then I thought the next thing it might be worth us digging a bit deeper into, you both touched on it, but I thought it'd be worth dwelling a bit more in that whole concept of the fear of God and the way that we're meant to have a reverent fear of him. Um, Henry, did you want to share with us a bit? Mm, yeah, I, I think it's something that's worth looking at um, because it feels at first like it's in conflict. Um, you know, we have all this stuff about how, how God you know, loves us and how it's um, so good what he's done and all that sort of stuff. And then suddenly we're told to fear him. And it, it feels like, what is going on here? Um, but the reason that's given there is that we are fear because we know what we've been bought with. Um, we know that um, what has been paid for us to uh, be given this life that we can live a holy life. And we know that the payment was so precious, it was Jesus' very blood, um, that that's what we're called to do. Yeah, so it, that's exactly right. And um, that God actually is the judge of all sin. He is our Father and He's the judge of all sin. We know He's done that on the cross. Um, and we know that, that that calls us to live life in light of the very serious fact, isn't it, that Jesus has given His life, that, that precious cost, um, to redeem us from sin. Um, how seriously does God take our sin? Well, the fact that he would, he would offer his son and that precious blood to pay for our sin. So that means that even though we are redeemed, how we live matters. How we live matters. Um, and we should live in reverent fear of the one who uh, we live before and who is, is the judge of the world and of, of all sin. Um, yeah, we, it means we shouldn't be taking our sin flippantly, should we? Mm. But it's very interesting that... Uh, He's also our father the whole time. It's a relational yeah, it, connection it, there. It, it's funny there because it, it feels like it's not in relation. Like most of the time you fear someone that you don't really know. You, know, you, you, you fear their power, you fear etc. Um, but here we're, we're calling on our father. Um, we're, we're calling on him as the one that we know is all of these great things. We know that also like... He judges impartially. It's mm. fairly. It's not like he's, he's picking on certain people, um, but he's our father who loves us. Mm. Um, and it's because of, it is because of that and because of the truth of the gospel that we're called to take our sin really seriously. It actually does matter. Uh, I don't know about you, but mm. sometimes I can find that a huge challenge. Yeah, it can be. It's um, a, a one good analogy a, a wise man once told me. Uh, you can imagine someone who's gone to university and to get there, their whole family had had to mortgage their family assets, their house. And you, you imagine that person at university, you know, if, if they took university lightly and didn't study and were failing exams, what does that say about the precious price that family paid to give that 
child an opportunity for a better life for a different life um, we have been redeemed at such a cost and we live before a holy god who will judge all sin he has his judgment has come down on his son jesus on our behalf and so we need to live out our life um, in reverent fear of him and knowing that we have been saved and I wonder, it reminds me a lot of the uh, C.S. Lewis, the picture that you have when Lucy meets Aslan. And so she is there and she kind of is asking the question of like, um, is he safe? Because he's this lion and he looks scary. And so, and she's all worried about that. And it's like, well, no, he's not safe, but he is good. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's a great line, isn't it? Um, he's the God of the world. He has all power. Of course, he's not safe. Um, he, he will judge the world, but, but we know him as Father. What a comfort, what a great thing that is. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing, isn't it? That we actually are different now. Um, we we recognise um, the cost and the privilege um, that it is to now be different. And so, of course, we're, we're going to live different because we have this new identity. We are different from um, the rest of the world. And so, we're not going to live it out begrudgingly um, or like we don't want to live differently um, but actually we see no it was great what's been done for us let's go do this now yeah I think that's so helpful as we think about how to live it out and really that brings us to sort of one of the last ideas that I thought it would be helpful for us to think through as we think of that whole idea of what it means to be born again now there was something that was slightly different in your two sermons and Henry you talked about this um, a little bit more and really fleshed it out because in verse 22 uh, we see that it says now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other so can you flesh that out a little bit for us because I'm pretty sure that it's not saying that well now we go about winning our forgiveness by being obedient mm. no it, it would be really odd for, for Peter to just suddenly say that our salvation depends on our actions wouldn't it uh, he's spent a whole chapter telling us how much God is doing for us so he can't suddenly be saying that it, everything depends on us um, and yet I think Peter is saying that our response to the truth matters um, you know, the truth there in um, what we've just seen in verse um, you know, 21 and 20 and um, what was paid for us in verse 18 and 19, our response to that matters because the truth matters. Um, our response to what God has done, well, that really matters because now we are different. And so if we don't live different, well, it's almost like, are we different? Hmm. And so we, we're purified by obeying the truth, the truth about what God has done, right? So receiving the message, receiving the salvation, um, that he has, that precious, precious price that was paid for us. Um, yeah, so being born again is the idea that comes out of that. We have been born again, not of, as it says, a perishable seed, but an imperishable seed the living and enduring word of God. We have been purified, we've been changed by obeying the gospel, by obeying God's word to a new life of loving one another deeply. And that all comes about through this idea of the new uh, being born again through the word of God. Uh, a fascinating idea. Mm, yeah, and I like, so that the verses um, 24 and 25 there uh, is a reference back to Isaiah 40. Uh, and there's, you know, it, it pretty much says the exact same thing, except for one difference. 
um, which is that Isaiah says, the word of our God endures forever, mm. whereas Peter writes, the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, I think it'd be hard to land anywhere like this is exactly what this means because unfortunately we don't have Peter in the room with us about why he might have chosen to done that. Uh, but maybe just a speculation. I think we could definitely say that, well, there, there's a continuation here. We've moved, actually, it's the word of Jesus that matters. Um, it's the word of our Lord that matters. Um, we need to be listening to Jesus um, it's it's his word that brings new life in us. Mm. And you get, I guess, um, some of those images, New Testament images of the mustard, uh, the mustard seed that comes into a tree. We've been born not of a perishable seed, like uh, the Isaiah reference there of grass, the seeds that scatter and they and they they come up quickly and they and they die like grass does. But a seed that grows into a great tree, uh, an imperishable tree. I, I think of Psalm one, the, the tree by. Uh, with the roots in in uh, living, um, nourished by living water, the word of God, um, and it's that is the tree that we are being grown into. We've been born again to be not like perishable grass, but by a tree that grows strong in God's word, uh, a new a new heart, a new foundation, and that is the word that comes to us at um, conversion, but the word that grows us, and we see that it's this word that we have tasted. God's goodness in his word that has saved us mm. and released us and grows us to a new way of living. Yeah, and like that's also the, the, the incredible thing in Isaiah 40 there um, where what is this word of God? Well, it's, it's actually the good news of the sovereign Lord coming with power. Mm -hmm. Like it's the good news that Jesus has come now because, and that's why it's in particular the word of our Lord mm. because it's, all about Jesus and the good news of Jesus. Mm. That's what saves us. Yeah. And now we've been born again. And it's interesting there the way that it then picks up some of that language of us like babies that we are then in verse 2 of chapter 2. We are like newborn babies to crave the pure spiritual milk so that we may grow up in our salvation. So kind of that image continues again to you're born again. So as babies grow up into these full adults that are trusting and depending upon the Lord. Yeah, it's a great, um, great picture, isn't it? Not that we are all infants, but the, that we have been born again by this word and that we are to crave this word as we grow up through this imperishable seed, as we are growing into that, that strong tree, if you want to take that image, but that we are to have a craving for what will nourish us and bring us spiritual life every day. Um, that's Peter's encouragement to us to crave what will grow us. Well, can I now actually land it on you guys personally? Because this has been a great passage for us to think about and to really think about how we can live differently. So can I ask each of you to share with us what particularly challenged you as you think about how to live differently in response to God's word? Yeah. Um, and just as we, we were talking about then, I think one of the things that has uh, convicted me is of the things, I think some of those relational sins that are in there, um, deceit, hypocrisy, slander, some of those things are very subtle, um, but they're sins deep within us. And I think actually ridding myself, do I actually uh, examine my heart before others? Um, and probably I don't enough. I think I'm, I'm, I run around too busy and I, and I let those things come in. But the other one is that I've been, I've been told I need to crave pure spiritual milk. Um, that, that can be hard. Um, 
to actually, I've, I've realized that actually God is with me and has empowered me to, and wants for me growth and spiritual growth and has provided his word for me. Actually praying that I would be out, that I would have a heart that craves his word um, and not waiting to go to his word until I have that heart, but going to it, praying that he would cons- constantly give me a heart that wants to drink deeply of his word. Yeah, and almost to go to the exact other end of the passage, um, I was really challenged in verse 13 there, um, to set my hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like I've shared a little bit in the sermon, I find it really easy um, to get caught up in the things that are right in front of me mm-hmm. um, or even in the things that are not right in front of me per se, but in the next few months, <laughs> in the next few years, um, all that sort of stuff. I, I enjoy thinking about that sort of stuff. And so that's where almost my hope gets found. Mm. Uh, but that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to put my hope way further in the mm. future, um, all the way to Jesus' return, because that's where my identity lies. My mm. identity lies with Jesus. Um, and so I am called to set my hope on him. Mm. And isn't that a great way for us to finish as we think about uh, 1 Peter. I've been really encouraged uh, by you two as we've got to dig a bit deeper into it. I love the way that we get to think again and reflect on God's word. So this has been Sermon Seasonings. I've been Mandy and I've been Henry. I've been Simeon. Woo! And we will see you again next week for Sermon Seasonings as we dig into the rest of chapter two of 1 Peter. See you next week.